Welcome to Robro Sports Facts. Every episode is packed with information put together by one of our newest podcasters on the scene, Rowan, a.k.a. Robro. Tune in weekly for a special guest where Robro asks specific questions about their career in addition to opinions of great sports events. Also, look out for the Player of the Week that comes from the LJ8 Sports YouTube channel for card pack openings. Thank you for tuning in. Today on Robro Sports Facts, Rowan welcomes Zach Parnes, Sports Director of WBOC-TV in Delmarva. WBOC-TV 16 is Delmarva's news leader, broadcasting out of Salisbury, Maryland and covering the Eastern Shore. Hey. Hey, how's it going? It's been going well so far. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. All things considered right now, things are going well. You're doing it right, my friend. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on episode two of Robo Sports. Uh, it is my pleasure to be here. Like the hat, O's are off to a nice little start thus far. I feel a nice little start. Lost, lost the last two games. Hopefully they can get Nate Pearson out of the game in, in less than an inning. Yeah, that, that would be ideal. But hey, I'll tell you right now. I mean, there's a, you know. I mean, I mean, the worst start so far was probably John Means, but it wasn't his fault. He couldn't help his father dying. Yes, that that unfortunately is true. Yeah, unfortunately but but at least we have Lopez. Is if we need a sixth starter, we can use him. There you go. Well, hey, hopefully good things ahead for the Orioles. Let's get into the podcast here. Can you explain what you do? Yeah, sure. So I am the uh, sports director over at WBOC-TV. I'm also a news anchor as well, but uh, I was hired for the purpose of doing sports. Obviously, with COVID, things are a little bit different. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I I just, I I really enjoy what I do. And, you know, and what I do is basically go out and tell people stories uh, and have the opportunity to do that on an athletic front is is just really rewarding for me. And, And something that I've, you know, always wanted to do for a very long time. And, you know, I get to do all the fun stuff, like, you know, read highlights and be on camera and whatnot. But it's really about, you know, serving the community and like doing a good job in terms of, you know, what sort of stuff you want to put on air for for people to be entertained and informed by. So, you know, that's a it's a delicate line to walk. But that's that's pretty much the the essence of uh, the responsibilities that I have on a day to day basis. Next, what teams do you cover? Yeah, so uh, teams-wise, we're very interesting. So here on Delmarva, we have this influx of, you know, three major sports cities that kind of clash down here. So they include Baltimore, uh, Philadelphia, and Washington. So those are the professional teams uh, that we're covering for the most part. So, you know, Wizards, Sixers in terms of the NBA, NFL, obviously the Skins are well now the Washington football team, uh, the Ravens and the Eagles. Um, and then baseball-wise, Nationals, Orioles, Phillies, uh, you know, so there's never a shortage of, of things for us to, to do or talk about. Flyers, Caps, uh, both teams playing extraordinarily well and, and, you know, having the chance to be in the NHL playoffs. But most of our coverage, for the most part, re- revolves around the local high school teams uh, that are in our area. So, you know, all the 
uh, high schools as far east as Worcester County um, and as far south as Crisfield, all the way up north, um, you know, to various areas like Dover, uh, Smyrna, Delaware as well. Uh, so it's a large coverage area. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 38 plus high schools um, and then a number of universities uh, that fall under that. Although now without Wesley University, they, they uh, recently succumbed or had a lot of financial issues, so they joined Delaware State. So Delaware State, Salisbury, um, you know, those, those UMES, those are the kinds of programs that, that we're covering on pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, but obviously with COVID right now, you know, we're not really going to see any of these schools in action. So my, my job is definitely going to be uh, taking a little bit of a turn here. But, uh, you know, everything else right now, man, I mean, it's just, you know, one day after the next and just try to put one foot in front of the next and see where you can go. But yeah, that was my long-winded answer to what teams we cover. Where do you work? So I, I work at, at WBOC, so it's in Salisbury, Maryland, on the Eastern Shore. But I'm constantly traveling across the bridge to do work uh, in Baltimore and D.C. But then I also have these times where I end up in various locations in like Northern Delaware, Wilmington, a couple of times for various Delaware sporting events. Um, it's pretty much here exclusively on the Eastern Shore, though. Next, what is your favorite thing to cook? <laughs> yeah, man, I saw you uh, figured out I have a big culinary interest. So yeah, I do like to cook a lot. Um, it's it's kind of a, uh, a tough question to say one thing in particular that I really like, but I, I like experimenting with a lot of different flavors, especially like Southeast Asian flavors. Uh, I've been using a lot of like gojujang recently, which is a Korean chili paste. Uh, big fan of that. Uh, I like heat, anything spicy, so I'm always out chasing that kind of stuff. But more recently, I've kind of learned and refined how to make a chicken piccato, which is like it's chicken that's like pound really thin and you bread it and then you serve it in like a uh, like a lemon butter sauce with capers. I, I really like making that. I think that's always good. And then, of course, I like making good steak every once in a while. I got lots of methods for doing that as well. Yeah, for the most part, man, I mean, it's probably, you know, just trying to stay really different in everything that I make. I'm kind of one of those weirdos where like I, I need to be eating something different all throughout the day, um, you know, so it's hard for me to meal prep sometimes but I, I make do with what I got next you like movies by Quentin Tarantino what is your favorite movie by him oh man that's a good one Tarantino is just such an interesting guy I mean he is just out there you know making these movies that are just absolute blockbusters and then also um, you know huge um, you know, potential for, for, you know, me even making like series and whatnot, but he never ended up doing that. But he does such a good job of pairing music with movies. And I think one movie where he does that particularly well is Pulp Fiction. And that's probably my favorite by him. It's such the basic answer. There's so many people that, you know, that like that. But I think that in, in general, um, you know, Pulp Fiction, it, that the writing is so authentic in it. And top to bottom, it's just a, it's a good watch. I like that one and Reservoir Dogs are probably my two favorites. But uh, yeah, probably those two. Who do you think will win the Super Bowl? Oh, who do you think, Rowan? You tell me. Either Saints, Ravens, or Titans, or for, for 49ers, or Chiefs. One of those teams. Up okay. There. Man, you got a long list right there. That's not yeah, one definite answer, my man. question really is, is for a team like Baltimore, if they're going to be able to have the young guys step up and make big plays for them. You know, guys like Patrick Queen and Justin Matabuki who are coming in as rookies this year, they're both going to have to really uh, honestly overperform, uh, you know, for Baltimore to be able to, to, to get that strong, fast defense that they want to have that they sorely lack towards the end of last year. 
I'm not sure if they're going to, but Des Bryant, he is coming in for practice for an evaluation. If we get Des Bryant, then we have two older wide receivers and a bunch of younger wide receivers. So, so we'll have yeah. a plethora of different ages. Plethora is the right word to use right there, I will say that. The Ravens are getting their job done whenever they lose a player. They're picking up somebody who can play that position. Not as well, but still good. Yes, exactly. And I think that they've done a good job in filling those holes over the years. The question is, do the rookies come in and fill them just as well as the other guys? And I have a feeling someone like Patrick Queen definitely has the chance to do that. People win the World Series. Baseball World Series right now. I mean, it's so up in the air. I mean, you know, with a 60-game season, it feels like anybody could win. Uh, but, you know, I, I still lean towards the Dodgers. I just think that the, Mookie Betts just playing out of his absolute mind right now. And, you know, if Kershaw can really start to figure out how to get a handle of things on the postseason, then they're going to be a tremendously deadly team for years and years and years. And, you know, I think it's funny because it, it, it almost seemed like a couple years ago they were poised to win. And now it just seems like they're right back at it. Uh, you know, the Yankees are strong. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that they have tremendous potential. But I think that right now, like this is this is L.A.'s year. This is L.A.'s year to absolutely lose. And, and, and I think that they're going to get the job done on like last year. For the Dodgers, they won the trade. Boston is the worst team out there in the AL East. Royals are winning right now. And, and anytime you speak about the AL East and the NL East, those are the strangest divisions ever. Plus, when you think about it, it's not the Giants' fault that they are not doing good because like, they can't help help the players' choices, but it would just do doing good for what they are doing. There are the Rockies who are way better than I expected and a team that I hope will make it to the playoffs too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that there's, you know, like we said, that, that there's such an openness to this year because of how restructured the entire season is. But, you know, I think that adds to the excitement and that helps baseball out right now in a time when, yeah. you know, they went through so much adversity. Now we're going to move on to the player I picked for today's episode, and he is Sandy Alomar Jr. The reason I picked him is because I pulled him in a video on my YouTube channel, LJ8 Sports, and I want to go more into him here on my podcast today. He was a catcher, he batted and flew right, he was six foot five, 200 pounds, and he was born on the 18th of June in 1966 in Puerto Rico. He had a 13.7 war, about 4,500 at bats, 1,203 hits, 112 home runs and a batting average of 273. Do you think getting 112 home runs is a good number of home runs for a catcher to get? Yeah, absolutely. Well, catchers historically aren't the best hitters, but, you know, I think that, you know, you talk about a position that probably has the most defensive impact on the field. It's always great when someone can just turn any sort of offensive effort. I know that there's always a premium on, on guys like Buster Posey or, you know, Yadier Molinas of the world who, who just, you know, have changed the way that the catching game is looked at because they have been such good hitters over time. So, yeah, absolutely. Any number that, that, that you know, can earn you a, a double-digit year career in, in the bigs is, is important, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and when you think about it, like, like, it's like the Orioles, like Pedro Severino. Any he's he he's he's probably gonna become come the next next Buster Posey or Molina or 
It's a bold um, prediction, but I think he's, he does have the potential. Still young enough in this career. Hopefully, he can move yeah, it along. I mean, and then we have Chance Sisko and Vine Holiday, which I think Chance Sisko will be another top one. And then if it Vine Holiday, he will be like the backup that comes in when needed because like the Oils, like they'll use anybody at DH show. So if their catcher's in catching, they're the aging their catcher. So like teams have like a player that any position that is good and like they don't want them fielding. They should have them batting. Batting is is a big thing for players these days. Yeah, well, especially with the DH, I mean, just you know, having the opportunity to pull a guy off of the field, so his you know responsibility basically only becomes the offensive side of the game. I mean, it, it can change a young player's career, which is the biggest thing with that kind of move, especially if you want to put like a young power hitter into the DH spot. But it's a risk that a lot of teams are willing to take, especially obviously American League crews that that you know are looking for that last push anybody can be a dh because if a player is bad at one thing they can be good at another thing like they're on the team just in case they're needed and like they should get to dh like every like so often because like players like if they do not get the bats and whatnot and they get out of shape stuff like that and like as i found out that jose glaciers is now on the injured list and they called up a second baseman why wouldn't they put chris davis in because like chris davis needs to be out there like some teams should want Chris Davis or something. It's like, why don't you just trade Chris Davis or something? Yeah, well, at his contract right now, it's a, it's a hard price to trade someone at, especially when they're making a lot of money for not a lot of production. And I mean, this was the run with Davis last year. Yeah, it back to Alomar Genius. So he played 1988 to 2007, 88 and 89 for the Padres in 1990 to 2000 on the Cleveland Indians. Speaking of the Cleveland Indians, his job now is being the first base coach for the Indians. He said no to being the bench coach to the White Sox because he didn't want to take away a job from another coach out there. Oh, I like Which that. Is That's, nice pretty honor. He's That's pretty honorable. Into, I like yeah. that. Yeah, and, and for him, he yeah he was bouncing around the White Sox in the 2000s. Like he was going up and down, back and forth to them. Like 2001, he played for the White Sox. In 2002, he played for the White Sox. In New Rockies for 2003 and 2004, he played for the White Sox. He mm. played for the Texas Rangers in 2005 and 2006. He played for the LA Dodgers and the White Sox. But in 2007, he was hired as a Met. What team do you think he's putting his footprint in the most? Probably Chicago, without a doubt. Based off what you've told me, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not super educated in the man in general, but you, everything you're educating me with right now tells me that it's got to be Chicago. Being of which, like, he's won more awards than, than anything. He hasn't even made it into the MLB Hall of Fame, but he made it into a minor league Hall of Fame. Hmm. So, every year from 88 until 90, he, he's won multiple awards some years, like at least three awards some years. He took over a job for the second team he was big on, the Indians. Do you think a player going back to a former team to play base coach or, or pitching coach or something like that, a good idea so they can educate people and be back at a place they were when they were younger? Well, sure, man. I think that there's a tremendous amount of guys that you know feel like they want to give back to the next generation and and this is a way for them to do that and then also make some pretty solid money on the side um you know and when you have that opportunity as as you know former player i mean we've seen a number of guys just stay around the same organization manny moda most notably with the dodgers off the top of my head i mean moda was a, a base coach for them for so long 
it never can be something that could be negative, uh, you know, unless the player really has no idea what they're doing, and they probably do because they used to play. So, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of guys that are always interested in coaching. Some choose to stay at the major league level. Other prefer to, you know, coach Little League and whatnot or, or you know, have the opportunity to, you know, go back to college and coach a collegiate team or something. So, you know, it, it never really dies, this kind of semblance of, you know, from the guys who play the game, so. On the Indians, he played from 90 to 2000. He won four awards in 90, two in 89, and three in 97. So in 2000, in 2000, he was inducted into the Pacific Coast League Hall of Fame. That isn't a big league, but it's good enough in the minor leagues to get into a smaller Hall of Fame out there. What do you think about players being inducted into minor league Hall of Fames, even if they only play a couple of years in, in the minor leagues? Well, I mean, that's usually how the best are, so it's, it's hard to say. Um, you know, giving somebody a, a minor league Hall of Fame opportunity for just you know, playing for a couple of years seems like kind of short-sighted, but if they did a lot for the game and especially brought interest to a particular area, uh, that can be seen as just absolutely huge for minor league baseball because sometimes that's what it takes to get people to the ballpark, especially here on Delmarva. I mean, when we had Grayson Rodriguez pitch, who's the Orioles' top prospect, people were very intrigued to come out and see him. And the same with Adley Rutschman when he came out here. You know, everyone wants to see the big name guys. And when they're able to draw fans into the seat, it warrants almost giving them, you know, a Hall of Fame connotation if their play matches up with it as well. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that it, it's certainly a unique honor. It's maybe not the one that every guy wants. If they, you know, I would imagine most want the Major League Hall of Fame, right? But you know, I, I think that minor league is is definitely an honor nonetheless and should be enjoyed by the guys. On the same note, in 1988, he won Pacific Coast League Most Valuable Player Award. He won Minor League Player of the Year Award Baseball America, so in 89. That was one Pacific Coast Most Valuable Player of the Year again in 89, so two years in a row. So we had three awards in two years, like like a top player. You're not having much, much to say, but the awards tell the story if you have never seen him play before, because he also won in 1990. Baseball America Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, Air Catcher, Rookie of the Year Award, BBWAA, Sporting News Rookie of the Year Award. Which of the four awards do you think is the best to get as a rookie? Well, I'm going to ask you. I want to know which, which one in your mind. I, I would have to say, getting a gold glove as a rookie, you wouldn't I mean like Rookie of the Year, like, you're a rookie. That's only, you can get it, so, like, that's a big one. But when you think about the gold glove award, it's just like, you are the best of the best. Here you go. You get gold glove, even though you've just played one year, maybe less than a full year in the league, and you've gone to gold glove. Which the 1990 Don Ross card gave him their special rookie stamp on the card. It wasn't only the baseball voted him highly, it, that the sporting card company didn't know it was going to be. And 30 years later, pulling that card with a special card, Pook was only get one in every pack. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, I'll, I'll tell you, I think that your assessment of him at giving a gold glove is certainly not the way that I would have thought about it. Yeah. Because it is, it is against everybody. But at the same time, I do think that 
you know, rookie of the year, you are up against everybody that is just coming in on the same playing field as you. And to be able to separate yourself from that is so special. I think that both of them are, are such prestigious awards, but I think that rookie of the year is a little bit more novel, but I will say that you're 100% right. And I, I wasn't even thinking about it that way, that, you know, somebody turning a gold glove after just playing 120 plus games, it's, it's extremely impressive. Yeah, I mean, in 97, he got All-Star Most Valuable Player of the Year, and then he got two awards that I don't know. One of them was the Cleveland Indians Man of the Year, and then he also got Gold Tomahawk Award. It says that the Gold Tomahawk Award is one of those awards. It was throughout 1963 to that was the most underrated player in Cleveland Indians team. And so the Cleveland Indians gave him two awards in one year. So he won two team awards. He didn't win any awards with the White Sox. He put in a footprint in for the Padres and Cleveland Indians, but the White Sox, he didn't play at top caliber. He just did what he could do when he did it. And coming back to the Cleveland Indians, when you look at his awards, it's a thrill job to come back to a team where the team voted you the best at receiving awards. If he were to get some award, like not all awards are like, or like against like the college football hall of fame, not the NFL hall of fame or something like that. And like any award for like any sport is good because like, if it isn't a big award, some team or some people still think you're good enough out there to win something, even if it's on a local level. Oh yeah, I, I hey, I'm right there with you, Rome, no doubt. something special in the year of 1915. Today, the Braves opened their field in Boston. They beat the Cardinals three to one. It's a couple yeah. before you and I were born. Yeah. And today's birthday shout goes to Andy Samberg from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes, he's great. I love that. Yeah, first time ever hearing about him. I just found that out today. Thanks for being on my podcast today. Absolutely, man. It was my pleasure. Had a great yeah. time. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. Sounds good. Take care. Robro Sports Facts would like to thank those who helped create the podcast and those that helped put it on every week. Thank you to editor Sherry. Sound engineer, John. Executive producer, Hannah. A special thank you to Zach Parnes. References for Sandy Alomar Jr. provided by BaseballAlmanac.com, BaseballReferences.com, and MajorLeagueBaseball.com. Thank you for tuning in.